everybody this is ellis and you are listening to another episode of undefined truth today i'm having a round table with some gentlemen and uh, if you are following the podcast you should know what the bible shell talk is it's just a segment from the whole season it's from the undefined truth where we got to talk about everything else other than dating a relationship what's going on and what's not going on on a particular topic so everything is mixing in here so it's really like a bible shell talk type of episode you know we can't have a barber shop talk without a barber, so welcome back, sleep. <laughs> hey, appreciate it, bro. I appreciate you having me. What's again. going on, sir? Hey, man, just just enjoying life right now, man. <laughs> yes, sir. Thank you, thank you. And we have uh, Brandon. Welcome back, Brandon. Appreciate you for having yeah. me again, man. Yes, sir. So, what's going on, fellas? It's the last episode, man. Uh, I just wanted to use this to like do a recap for you know the season and why we just talk about everything else that's going on. First thing I want to say is that I feel like the last time we were talking about this, it was still like uh, the Trump era, so we <laughs> we had a lot of things to talk about. Let me start with that. How you guys feeling now that we, where we at now? Let me start with that. Um, I mean, I th- I feel like. Yes, we got Trump out of there. I'm actually <laughs> low key, not sad or not disappointed, but I'm low key not excited that he's not online on Twitter anymore. Because to me, <laughs> Trump online was like comedy nonstop. Because I never took nothing he said personal or serious. Yeah, me too. But I, it was I more agree. funny to me to be like, man, this man is crazy, and now we can't really see what he's thinking, what's going on, because he gonna let you know what he think. So now he just in the shadows, just formulating and, you know, mastermind and doing whatever he do. So um, I feel like since the election happened, Biden won, et cetera, et cetera, people have taken their foot off the gas as far yeah. as pressing for um, change and pressing for, you know, the black agenda, quote unquote. Yeah. And I feel like I, I seen Dr. Umar say this, like oh, Biden has done something for every demographic already, but for black people, it's like, oh, we got to figure out how we can get this passed and how we can I do saw this. that too. That's it's like, bro, you the fucking president. Put your foot down and make something shake. Like black women and black people got you in office. Slick, so, like, I think this is what Ice Cube was talking about. Don't you think? Yeah, you know, <laughs> since Trump, man, I, hey, he kept me off social media. Because it didn't do to piss me off. You know what I'm saying? I didn't want to lose no friends on Facebook or IG or oh, anything yeah. like that, man. So You definitely had to draw the line. Yeah. Right. I mean, I get enough information through clients coming uh, through the shop. You know, most of them military, so I already know the agenda on that, mm-hmm. being military. Yeah. And um, But, man, like my man said, you got to keep the foot on the gas because uh, I still see it kind of the same. Yeah, shooting ain't stopping. Pop right. still doing a thug thizzle. I mean, the same you know? day George Floyd yeah. got justice, right. you know, another person another lost their life. life. Yeah, now you know. that situation is a little bit more tricky, but you know, you don't have to kill that girl. Nah. You know, you could do nah. a million different tactics that you get taught versus you the final result. To. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like we get ten seconds to breathe, and then you get another breaking news alert. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Not even ten seconds. It feels like it's just one after yeah, the other. You get, right after yeah. you get numb to it. Yeah. You get numb to it. So it's it's tricky, man. You just out here navigating every day. Is like you know, game seven with two minutes left every exactly. day of your life, especially as like a black person and a black it's man. It's tiring, man. You yeah. know, and in the shop, man. You know, I I, I got some uh, some white clients, man, and they they down to earth, and I and I try to get their agenda on what's going on. And uh, they just like me for the most part. I don't know if they just playing that role because they sitting in my chair, but I think I know them enough to, yeah. you know, to know. And uh, 
Shit, at the end of the day, they glad Trump out of there too. But <laughs> like I say, you just never know. You ain't inside the head. Exactly. Yeah, I would say for me personally, I, I kind of feel what Brendan's saying. When Trump left, I I, st- I just stopped paying mind to all that politics. I think I just drifted towards more of the uh, police brutality and killings. But all right. that things, because I was more passionate about like the politics. I'm like, man, we need to get this man out of here. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't even care. You know, and I know people support him for their own personal reasons. For me, I was just like the character of this man. Like he just don't sit with my spirit, man. Like nah, this, nah, nah. this good, this dude gotta go. I'm not saying who's come is better or whatever, nah. But we, I just felt like we needed to have some kind of like normalcy, like just come back, come back to earth. You know, yeah, just a little bit normal racism. Just <laughs> a little bit normal. Yeah, I mean, we yeah. we go all the way back to uh, you know uh, Rodney King. Right. Yeah. You know, me being a teenager and all that, and and man, it's like it's 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 the multiplied ten times over. But it's the same thing. It's huh? the same, same thing, thing every yeah. day. You know, you got different presidents talking the same old, same, same old, mm-hmm. and ain't that part hadn't changed. Mm-hmm. You know, and and we as black people just out here like, man, what is it that we really need to do? Do we need violence? With do we need to go back to Malcolm X? Yeah, you know, eye for an eye. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying, but. I don't know, man. It's tricky, like Brandon said, man, and 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 because uh, they got all the money and all the power, right? And uh, you know, we just getting the crumbs, you know. Yeah, I wanted to ask you guys. I saw something on Instagram, like literally before we came over here, right? They said, "Since nobody else will say it, I will." We don't need police. They have an overwhelming presence in the society with an underwhelming need for them. Can anybody list for me top five valid reasons to keep police? I feel like that's super false. Because yes. if something happened right now to that same person who posted that, that's exactly comment, why I want to. Bro, I'm like, I don't know if I actually listen completely. You know, agree with this one because here's the caption. The caption was like, it said, "I don't need somebody to show up after a crime to fill out a report. We hundred percent don't need traffic enforced by guns." And 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 I and I get that part. It's nuanced though. Like that yeah. person. I mean. By all means, I might not be the brightest person or the sharpest knife in the drawer, <laughs> but that person, that's an idiotic, selfish comment to say behind your, you know, thumbs and yeah, your screen. The only way yeah. I'm coming up with that comment, if I got show enough in my corner. Yeah. You know Bruce what I mean? Leroy. It's like, <laughs> you can say that, but if something happened to that person right now, that's I right. guarantee if it's a threat, he 911. He's 911. Yeah, that's what I'm long. saying. Like, we need something in place for what the police is actually supposed to stand for. Yes. Do we need them to be a cult? No, we do not need them to be a cult where it's like us versus them. It should be a community thing. But saying that we need to do away with it, you know how much lawlessness will be happening? Right. If Mm -hmm. they were just relying on technology. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that that sounds idiotic. People will take advantage of that. That's just like people saying, oh, we don't need teachers. That's right. The kids can learn off YouTube. Like you sound fucking stupid. (laughs) Hello, stupid. (laughs) You know, uh, you know, me being in the military, man, I think I think the military is they hold you accountable. Yeah. You know, that's why the army or the military life is so much different than civilian life. I mean, they actually hold you accountable. So I think the police force needs to change up some tactics uh, mentally in the classrooms, whatnot, whatnot. But if they went the military way. If they did military training, training versus yeah. you know police what I'm corps training, you know, you think about it. You know, it takes a barber a minimum of a year, eight months, right. to get through barber school, fifteen hundred hours. 
but a police officer, what, 16, 18 weeks? Yeah. Somebody off the streets and he Man. trained. To be a teacher, you know, it, it takes take me 1,500 hours to learn how to cut somebody's hair. Right, and be a licensed And licensed barber. barber and has to pay every two years to keep to that. keep it. Yeah. yeah. But a police officer go through his little physical he's vowed one time to get the job, 18 weeks, and he officer. And that's it. Come on now. Come on now. <laughs> yeah. That's a fact. Yeah, that, don't make that, no sense. that don't make sense because I, I actually discussed that in a previous episode uh, with the ex-chief officer who was on my show. I told him, I said, I don't, I'm not saying the training it's good or bad. It just doesn't add up if the weeks that we're taking compared to what other people are doing to cut hair and to be a teacher. Because I know like in other countries, I've heard like, again, I've not confirmed this, like, those Scandinavian countries like Sweden and stuff, they, they said it took at least two years for you to become a police officer. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I can believe it. Yeah, I know some guys uh, that come through the shop, they from California, so they say, like, when you go to police academy, then you got to go and serve in a prison for two years so you can learn all the lingo and drugs and all that. And then you get on the streets. It's a process, though. It's a process. Mm, that's, yeah. I never that's thought about I think like that's that. important, too. Like, and I also think, and I've seen this because, you know, I went to an HBCU. Yeah. Shout out Central State University. And I know since a lot of these killings have happened, like I know one person in particular, he dropped what he was doing and went to police academy. And now he's working in his community. And like, I feel like we can come up with all these problems, but we have to be solution oriented people. So if there is an issue and you don't like the way people are policing in your area, if it only takes six months to become a police officer, Go be a fucking police officer. Yeah. Excuse my language. I'm, I'm, I'm a sailor. I'm gonna keep cursing, so I'm gonna try to stop that. No, you're good, man. Go be a police officer. You know, everybody got a role to play in this society, and we are a group of narcissistic, selfish people who only care about me, 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 me. And we have all these problems, and we have solutions waiting for us. But we need people to sign up. I'm yeah. not gonna personally do it, but there's people who ain't doing nothing right now. And that's that's another thing that's when true. you said personally sign up. You know, you know, don't nobody make somebody become a police officer. You volunteer for this. Facts. And then when I hear blue lives matter, okay, I'm like, okay, now this person volunteered to become a police officer, but he didn't know when he signed up there's going to be some crazies out there. Right. You and know, and that goes to that cult mentality you too. You know what though. I'm saying? And I'm like, okay, now somebody going to shoot back at you. Somebody going to resist. Somebody going to wrestle you. Somebody going to throw punches or whatnot. But did you just join because your daddy knew somebody in the police force and that that uniform and badge give you power. That's what it is. A bunch of wimps, a yeah. bunch of people who wasn't nothing. They're like, this is my right? only way to have some, some kind form of authoritative of, power. Yeah, yeah. and <laughs> yeah. that's half of it too, man. A yeah. bunch of a bunch of dudes who Just wasn't a, nothing got picked on, and then they like, well, I can go be a police officer now. I got authority over everybody. It's like it's a good yeah. old boy system. You hear me? Yeah, yeah. That's all yeah. it is. I I completely agree. So Sleek, I, I know that last time when we had a barbershop talk, it was the first. Um, episode of the barbershop talk so we got a little experience uh we got to listen to you tell us about how you became a barber and you know uh, you know that was a heartfelt conversation actually because you know i know i know you on a personal level but i didn't even know it was that deep when you started talking right so um just to kind of give a little background you know being a barber like can you just like tell us again what do you think makes you different or what makes you unique, you know, in all these different societal issues, though, what do you see every day? Because you deal with all kind of people, you know, in different communities, and you cut white people, so you cut black people, so you cut everybody's there. So, you know, what would you say is different? What do you see out there? Man, I, I'm going to put it on the way you was raised. That's, that's, that's me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? My, I raised up, my grandma and grandpa raised me. 
you know, and they was always all about, you know, treat people the way you want to be treated. Treating. I'm trying to teach you know, my kids that right now. You know, yes. and I mean, <laughs> you know, and not only did they instill that in me, you know, I did that also with my children. So, mm-hmm. um, man, that, that's that's the key for me, you know, because I don't care if you Ezekiel Elliott and you sit in my chair. You got you need to take, you need to make an appointment. Right. You know what I'm saying because I'm not gonna take you because you're a superstar. You know, you just like everybody else. Right. I treat everybody equal, and like I can speak. And I can any, speak for that. He is very you know, disciplined with his appointments. Oh yeah. it, very, yeah, very. You know, because <laughs> you've been you've been with me for years now. Yeah, Elliot only gonna be here for a couple, two or three years. Yeah, you know, I got you for life, not him. That's so, true. So you know, it's just that. That's just me. Everybody's different, you know. And um, I never put my hands on no clippers. Never thought about becoming a barber. It just happened. Right. You know, I just said I'm going to barber school and voila. Yeah. Here it is. I would like to get Brendan's perspective of this because you weren't here for the last one. What do you think the barbershop represents for our community? How do you view it? Not just other than yourself, like how do you view its impact on you? And now that you have kids, you know, are there certain things that you think, you know, we need to carry on this barbershop culture because it's a pillar for setting things for us, you know? I mean, I grew up in barbershops, man. My dad and my uncle made it imperative for me when I was younger to take me to barbershops and to show me that culture. Right. And I was hooked. So every two weeks, me and my uncle would walk to the barbershop, pay for our money. It doesn't matter how long we had to sit and wait. It could be (laughs) 30 minutes. It could be three, four hours. We was going to sit there and wait and get our haircut. And then when I was able to, and old enough to find my own barber. My barber was like my best friend or like a big brother to me. You know, I right. would go there, chill with him. I would be, what, 12, 13 years old. He'd be like, man, go get my car washed. Go run this <laughs> errand for me. Go do this. Let me drive his car. All types of stuff. You know what I mean? And me and him built like a real friendship bond. And that's really what a barber is. You meet this person as a stranger. And it sound like, it might not sound crazy, but you understand what I'm saying. Like, you meet this person and he becomes like a part of your life. Like, shout out to my I barber. Swear. I swear, I know the feeling. (laughs) Me and my barber now, man, we like connected right here, man. Like we talk about business nonstop. Every time I go in the chair, he teach me some, not teach him some. We talk about business, ways to make money. Like my son, he goes there as well. So I'm teaching him how to do business transactions. You know, you get your your haircut, you let him know what you want. That's Mm -hmm. not my hair, it's yours. That's right. So you able to speak to another man and look him in his eye and have that conversation as a child, that helps you when you grow up into Mm -hmm. a young person, right? So when he gets his haircut, he asks him, like, don't ask me what to do with his hair. Ask him. You know, he need to make that decision. Then when he get done getting a haircut, he need to look in the mirror and see if he like it. If he don't like it, he'll tell him, like, okay, do this, do that. That's also, when it's time to pay for it, I'm not paying for your haircut. Like, I will have the money, but I'm going to give it to him. You go give that man your money for your haircut and shake his hand and say thank you. Right? So that's building confidence wow, in him. A- to when he meets somebody on the street, yeah. he know how to shake. But it's hand. funny you say that because sometimes I put the dads on blast because they sometimes don't like to talk. So Mm-mm. now you got to shoot at them to make them do to you their know son. What I'm so what you know, also the dad look at you, you know, as a mentor. You know, because you you actually mentoring him because mm-hmm. he hadn't had somebody like that. That's true. You know, so that's if, true. If you, I never thought about if that. You that yeah. dude, you know, he look up to you too. A barber is yeah. a father. He a best friend. He <laughs> a stylist, therapist, therapist. Man, Everything, he gonna bro. talk you through life. Like yeah. he gonna yeah. put yeah. you on something. Mm-hmm. He gonna you know a barber. 
I ain't gonna lie, man. He's probably one of the like top five most valued people in my life, and it's always been that way, man. Yeah, I, I say yeah. that, and and again, I'm not saying it because you're here. I say that all the time. Like you know, if he knows some things about me that some people might not never even know, Fact. you know, because one beautiful thing I learned that stood out was the way takes care of his kids like you know he got two kids now out of college and everything but I was congratulations man yeah, yeah man that, I was there like yeah. when they were still in school before they even got to college I, that's when we met you know and, before before yeah. I mean to interrupt you before you get started I'd like to give props to uh, Mr. Ralph Payne he's a I hate to say it like this but he's an old <laughs> white man he was like 74 years old he was my he was my instructor yeah and he the one taught me the barber game you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? He the one taught me about business. Right. You know, one thing that I've always noticed, he was always clinging on to me. He had like 50 barbers in this school, mm. but he was always clinging on me, you know, and he taught me the game. And and, and like he said, he said, you got $20,000 barbers, you got $30,000 barbers, you got $50,000, you got $100,000 barbers. That's a fact. It's up to you which barber you going to be. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So if you out here hustling and bustling, you probably going to be. But if you be professional about what you do, you going to make it. Yeah. And like he fact. said, he he got he got his children through college. He bought a barber school with college money. He took sent his wife. They go on vacation, bought a house, all that. That's a fact. You know, and and I, I lived up to that. I said, I'm going to send my kids on barber money. Yeah. That's a fact. That was, that, that, you inspired me, man. Like when I would see the way you grind hard for your kids I'm like wow like that that's just amazing like driving from here to Kentucky and oh man that's, like that's, you know like you know, every weekend or something like man oh, really? this I would guy. probably say the the, the the most exciting thing about this whole journey yeah was last year my oldest son got married and congratulations man. he got married you know thank y'all and after the reception him and my youngest son got together they was like pops hey uh hey, uh, hey we want to talk to you I'm like everything good Right, that's the first money. question. Right, right, It was like, right. oh, we good, Pops. So they was like, hey, Dad, I just want to tell you how much we appreciate you. You know, we thank you. you know, and that's what you're doing you. for. And just hearing him saying all of this when I was going through the process of, is you ever going to get it? Right. You know? Yeah. But they came on the back end to tell me how much they appreciate me. They appreciate them drives to Kentucky, you know, because they told me they hated them drives. But knowing that I had to drive to Kentucky to get them, drive back to Texas, then take them back to Kentucky and come back to Texas. He was like, Dad, you That's where your mother was? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, I was doing my thing. You know what I'm saying? That's why when I talk to gentlemen in my chair and they going through some things with they significant other, I just say, hey, hey, bro, use all your resources before you make that decision. Right. Because when you make that decision, it's a wrap. Can't cross that line backwards. Yeah. Yeah. Because them kids is paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. They watching. That's true. Man, I wanted to, and speaking of relationships, I wanted to get your opinion on something. Sometimes I feel like people just have this, uh, we kind of talked about this last time, actually. They have this perception for some women about the barbershop. They always think Mm -hmm. we are, they just like, talking so much shit about them to the point right. where some, some of them don't even want to bring their kids inside the barbershop. Right. They're like, yeah, just drop him off in the front, you know, when he's ready, come back out. And um, Brenda, I would say to you, like, what would you want to put out there and say, <laughs> okay, you know what? I know for a fact there's no way they can really understand it fully, 
you know, we do talk about women, but <laughs> but it's not maybe not exactly what they think we're talking about. I get what you're saying. I think that for one, the barbershop is just the reverse of what a beauty salon beauty, is for a exactly. woman. Exactly. The same yeah. conversations they're having, men are having in reverse because men and women are different, but we're alike, a lot alike in a lot of different areas. So that's the first thing. And then second, it depends on the vibe of the barbershop you go to. Every barbershop ain't going to be oh. like <laughs> Uncle Luke's Peak Show. No, that's right. Yeah, that's watching, true. You know, porn and stuff. Cause I've been to barbershops like that that's where right. they have a TV on and everybody in there watching porn or watching whatever type of videos and they having conversations about it. I've also been to Christian barbershops where they only play Christian music or don't play music at that's all. Right. And it's a family environment and everything in between. Yeah. So I think that is just depend on the vibe. And that's why I say a barber... And the shop that that barber is in is very important. And that's why barbers will bounce around from shop to shop to shop because they're trying to find something that fits their vibe. That's right. Not only their vibe, but they're trying to find something that fits the vibe of their clients. That's because right. if you a barber and you got high valued or high uh, clients that, you know, are a certain particular way, you're not going to bring them into an environment that no. makes them uncomfortable because that's going to mess with your money. That's so, right. You'll have one barber and then they'll be like, man, I'm at a new shop. I'm at a new shop. I'm at a new shop. And when they find a home, they comfortable. You know what I mean? And that's important. But it it really just depends. Like the barbershop I go to now is ran by a a husband and a wife. She do her hair in one one area and the men do their thing in another area and they vibe off each other. You know, Mm -hmm. you might go in there on a good Friday and you might get get welcomed with a shot. And they're like, all right, right, have a shot. Let's listen to some music. Let's chill. And other days you might go in there and they talking to you about, you know, being vegan or business, you know, whatever the case might be. So it kind of just depends. Yeah. So Sleek, how important is it for the relationship advice that we get from the barbershop as men? (laughs) (laughs) Because some people think like, nah, that's all that barbershop talk you be doing over there that, you know, don't don't deal with me like that, you know. But you're right, Brandon. I've been to some barbershop, I'm like... Nah, I, I can't be here. You and know, the barber dude. might be yeah. good. He might be like yep. the best barber you ever seen. It's funny seen. you said that. That's yep. how we met. Yep. When I met him, that's how we met. Because I didn't like the barbershop at all. The very minute I walked in there, I was like, nah. But there was something about him, the way he even treated me. It was so different. To, mm-hmm. then. So that was the day I told myself, I'm going to follow him wherever he goes. So when he told me, oh, I got my own shop, I'm like, oh, no, that's not even a question. Like, I'm coming with you, you know? Mm-hmm. So like you were saying, like, it was like its own ways, family. And you can tell the kind of people that come to your shop is way different from the people I was seeing back then. But you know what? You know, I, I, with me, it's, uh, I'm in McKinney. Yeah. McKinney is a family-oriented town. And real, it's, real talk, it, yeah. you, have, That's true. You, have the one, you have the one community church. You got First Baptist. You got Z- Mount Zion. So you got about three or four big churches. So McKinney, like I say, family oriented. everybody's hardworking. Yeah. You know, everybody go to their kids' practices and games and church and the barbershop. So with me, I can't have porn on. I can't, <laughs> I, you know, I try my best not to, every time you come in, I'm, I'm Frank and Beverly Mays, yeah, the staple true. singles, you know, because my clientele is my age and older. Mm. So, you know, so that's what they like about it. They come in, it's it's smooth in there. You know, they got their water, they whatever, candy chips, whatever. And in one room, I got TV, they in there chilling or working. And then the other part is a barber shop. So I got that one-on-one. 
Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, my atmosphere is more family. Yeah. You know, if you in the hood, that's what that's going to be. Facts. Straight. So, so that can really determine the kind of relationship advice you would give from a barbershop. Yeah, because <laughs> if you in a barbershop and it's a bunch of young dudes that's in their 20s, you know, fresh out of high school, but they had the high school clientele and yeah. whatever the case is, you're going to get a bunch of young man advice. But if you in a barbershop with people that's 30 and up, there it is. that barber done been through everything yeah. and back. Because yeah. you got to think, barbers low-key get the most pussy out of everybody <laughs> in any profession. Wait, is that true, Sleek? <laughs> I plead the fifth. <laughs> I, I can't speak on this man because he might be a, a faithful, faithful black man. But oh, from man. the experience I've seen in my lifetime, yeah. man, barbers, man, they get it in on the low. Yeah. They get it in. So you going to be done. And they, I think that's why some women be like, let's say, for example, I'm talking, I'm like, well, that's not what they said. You know, at the barber shop the other day, this and that, you know, some women be like, Nah, you don't. That don't even count. Like you don't bring what happened to barbershop. You don't use that to deal with me. You know, because yeah. but I be like, yeah, that depends on the barbershop. It and, does, and, and it does. <laughs> and, and then, like he said, he don't know about every barber. Like I say, where I'm at, where I work at in McKinney is family oriented. Yeah, I don't live in McKinney. Yeah, you know, I live in the town outside of it. So you know, I leave McKinney business mm-hmm. and where I'm at pleasure. So I know I'm a single black man. I'm doing okay for myself. And if I'm out here and somebody see me, or it's a wrap. So I let that be. Yeah, you're able to separate the two. So when I'm in McKinney, I'm Mr. Slick, the barber. So if anybody (laughs) says, hey, you know Slick, yo? They be like, the barber? That's what it is. Yeah, you outside of McKinney, you right. a whole different animal, you yeah. know? That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. So, so one other thing I wanted to touch on is, um, well, so between everybody here, I'm, I'm originally from Nigeria, and we've talked about it at the barbershop. Uh, we're trying to push for this thing where we want our um, brothers on this other side to start going back home. Mm. And um, I want to go so so bad. Yeah, so I, we talked about it last time, and I said I'm gonna keep bringing this up yeah. because I hope that people are listening. And and I'm just gonna be honest, like from the last time we talked, you know, every day we learn things. You know, we develop as as people, as as an individual. So wait, are you planning like a tour guiding situation? Are you? Gonna- I would really love to be like a tour kind of thing, like have a group of guys and you know, just right, have a, a guy trip a and fellas we, trip i mean and you fellas show us trip. around i show you guys around i mean and we just have in, a good bro. time Come okay in. i mean we go so yeah because i because and i got like <laughs> if you really want to do it do it on oh i like, want to i got like at least a solid five or six people at the top oh of my head. man i can call right now that can do <laughs> i'm it. in we're doing this then we're oh, doing this yeah. we're doing this you know see this is why i love this type of conversation because you never know what's gonna happen you know because from the last time we talked I was like, you know what? I was listening to somebody on Clubhouse the other day. I was like, I kind of see, I'm not going to just be here talking about I got to push my people to go back home, but I also have to recognize the the financial constraint that comes with that, the, you know, the opportunities. And just so the fact that some people don't even understand how to navigate that, you know, right. and, um, and let's just call it what it is. Black people here in America, you know, compared to other people disproportionately, like, they don't have enough resources to do the kind of things that we are talking about right now we want to do. We are just the fortunate ones to say, hey, we can plan something like this and do it. So so I, I came to realize, I was like, you know what? I can't really just make everybody go. I can't keep saying, yeah, I got to go because I need to realize that not everybody can really do it. But one thing I do know, I will use my platform to push that awareness. Like, 
it's important. You know, I think on some, I know some people may not even understand this, but I'm going to say this because of where I come from. On a spiritual level, right, I do believe African-Americans here in America, there's some sort of enlightenment that will come from that if you go back home. We are disconnected. Yeah, Very exactly. Good. That's point. So that's why I wanted to ask you first, Brandon. What do you think about that, and what do you think about it? How can we push that? How can Listen, we push man, that? I, my mother is very, very pro-black. I did not go. I went to Sunday school in our community is where you go and you learn about your culture, which is black history. Yeah. I went to. I'm gonna say the name wrong, and, I, and God forgive me. God forgive me. <laughs> Watutu Shule. Watutu Shule. So it was on it was on on the east side in Milwaukee. We went and we sat in this basement and we watched videos about Africa. We watched videos about African American um people who led the culture yeah. and we learned about being black. I learned about uh Marcus Garvey and you know kings and queens of Africa before I learned Bible scriptures and I learned about uh you know stories of Jesus in the Bible. I didn't learn uh, a spirituality in Jesus and God until I got older and I could think for myself, you know, mm. but as a child, I could tell you everything there is to know about the revolution, the Haiti revolution, right? you right. know, the principles of Kwanzaa, <clears throat> you know, um, egalitarianism, you know, treating people the way you want to be treated. treated. Those were the principles that I learned as a child. So that is like one of my dreams. Like I don't want to go to, you know, God, you know, forgive me for saying this if you listen, but I don't want to go to a white man country and, you know, learn about what's going on in Rome because I could give a damn, you know, that's nothing <laughs> against them. But I would love to go to Africa and learn about where my people come from yeah. because I know we're disconnected. Yeah, right. I do. You agree, Slick? I agree 100 percent. I mean, like in my household growing up, like I said, as a kid, you know, you know, my grandma was most definitely pro-black. My granddad didn't he didn't talk much. He was just a. Provider of the family, yeah. you know, we watched the Roots, and and I mean, when movies like Roots came on, they made us sit down and watch that, you know, <laughs> and pay and, attention. Uh, they pay gonna attention pause it too, to, like, yeah. hey, you see this part, and and exactly. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> but like you were saying, getting over there, it something is ringing in my head because I got Fat Two and Antoinette. They on me all the time, telling me, oh, hey, at your Bible at yeah, the shop, yeah, at the shop. I mean, they like, hey, you need to get over there. Yeah, you know, I got a place for you to stay. Hey, and when you go, you got to go two weeks a minimum. Yeah. Two weeks. I don't know why those women are pushing, but I want to guess this is why, because I'm I'm speaking from my personal experience. Like when I was growing up, right? And this is real talk. And I think most people who are listening to this episode right now can agree with me. We were somehow, not even somehow, most of the time idolizing you guys here because we had, we didn't really know the struggle you guys were going through. But from media, we thought like everybody just living out like Jay Z, like huh? no. you know. So so we like back then when it was um you know when Nelly first came out, man, you know how many people in Nigeria I know still have the band in and everything still coming out, <laughs> you know like T-shirts were selling. So it so the American culture like was there was a huge impact of the American culture in Nigeria, especially where the the city that I grew up in, like. I, I was that kid with cassette player and CD player with 
raps all in my ear all day long, you right. know? Like, buying new batteries every morning. To you know, it's play. funny you say that because y'all <laughs> over there thinking we're a certain kind exactly. of way. We got our parents telling us every day, hey, <laughs> keep your hands on the steering wheel. Hey, don't get out of their yard. And, mm-hmm. and all, you know, because yeah. it's about, it'll go down at Man, any time. I'm telling you, I, I used to go, I used to just, on Saturdays, I, it, it was like a, a Christmas thing for me and my cousin who's now who's now in the UK. He actually is the guy that is pro- a producer. He's the one that produced the jingle for this podcast. It was like a Christmas thing for us on weekends. We would just go get on the bus, go to this place called CD House, and buy all the new rap albums. That's crazy. Bro. And we go back home, blast that shit in the car, headphones, like everything. You know, we were and start messing with Fruity Loops and all that stuff, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah we were those kids. So there was a way that we were seeing you guys, right? That we were like, man, we got to you know, merge this gap. We need to let them know that how much we we respect them, how much we, you know, right. you know, we want to be like them or something like that, right? But then when I came to America, I was like, hold like, up. This shit is <laughs> fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> but I, to be honest, before I came, I already kind of knew. But when yeah. I came, it was like, yo, okay. You catching hell. No, I was yeah. like, and everybody in like, but So I think I was one of those people that started to feel like, we need to bridge this gap, you know. And we do. We need to bridge this gap because I was, uh, the other day there was a huge conflict on Clubhouse between Africans and um, uh, Nigerians, to be precise. Each side, they had a reason to be mad. I, I get it, but it kind of broke my heart. Can I was you, like, can you give context? Like, Yeah, okay. so for example, uh, the African-American were like saying that when we come here, we join the white man to say, y'all, you know, we, you know, y'all lazy and do this and that and whatever, whatever. Americans are lazy. That's a yeah, fact. You know, so, and, um, and Africans on the other side was like, um, no, that's not what we do. Why would you prejudge us? We, we had our own struggle too. We left our country. We came here and we have like, just because we don't do this and do that. And the African Americans were like, no, like, but to be fair, they would rather pick you guys before us because we are struggling, you know? It's not just like not of us want to work. And I and I kind of get that from both sides because I have strong black African-American men around me that are doing the right thing. So everybody right. ain't like that. Right. And also I know, and to be fair, I also know Africans who do think like that. Right. You know, to be fair, like when I was growing up, not maybe not my mom, but my grandparents, they used to be like, nah, African-American, they would rather worship the white man than the black because they just that's what the American media was pushing right you know so they're still pushing that to this day yeah if it wasn't for social media a lot of people would have not known the the reality would probably be so much bigger because it's year hundreds of years of disconnect disconnect and social media is slowly I I really believe if it wasn't for social media we would have not even be where we are right now because now in Dallas you you can you can hear African music all the time you know you can you know we all where is this happening at yeah really (laughs) everywhere in Dallas I live in Grand Prairie I don't know where nothing is going on oh really (laughs) yeah in in Dallas like almost every club like you did now they play the Bonham Boy they play music they play oh, like yeah, yeah. yeah so and they fire too yeah so Man. people are like I feel like but we still have a long way to go we, still have, we still have to, we still have to bridge that gap so that's why I always bring that up like our struggles are different but we need to be allied for ourselves like it's it's gonna do a greater thing than than we fighting you know I agree and I feel like two points on the ally point I feel like black people whose descendants come from Africa no matter which 
planet or piece of earth that you ended up migrating to, we need to become each other's allies versus being allies of every yes, other culture and that's race. Right. Yes, and then sir. they shit on us at every chance of escape. So that's point one. We need to be our own allies. Point two is I personally feel like people are afraid to make that trip to Africa because we don't know the lay of the land and where to go. We're afraid. You know, we go over there. We're afraid something might happen because of the stereotypes we see. Yeah, here. Yeah, mm-hmm. We get off the plane and then we end up like a Taken movie or something. We don't know that. You know what I mean? We're afraid. It's funny you say that because we'll go to cause a mail in a minute. We will. Yeah. You know, we'll go to But that's because we've we'll seen Rome, other we'll people go, go there yeah. and it's like, "Oh, you've been there? Let me know where to stay. Where what hotels, yeah. what resorts, yeah. et cetera, et cetera." I got y'all. Now, if we're doing this, I got y'all. Yeah. Now, I yeah. I we're going to have a good time. <laughs> hey, I'm we're going to we're going to have a good time for real. And I wanted to ask you this like somebody said something the other day um that I've always known but it it it, it hit different when when uh, we going through what we going through, you know, especially when I said, you know, Africans and Americans were fighting on clubhouse, she said, "Let's keep it real. The reason some of us are mad is because every black person, wherever you're from, come to America, you are taking advantage of the, or you are privileged of sending things because of what African Americans fought for, and that is so true. Because if it wasn't for them fighting for, you know, equal rights, education, everything." We, you will not have a lot of Nigerians who will come here to go to school and just get these degrees and everything. So I have to acknowledge that fact. And I wanted to use my platform to push that for other Nigerians who do not know that. You need to recognize that, you know, you know, you people, know, these people actually fought for something so we can be able to do what we do. You know, at the end of the day, you know, not just Africans, you know, but white people, Asians, Mexicans don't understand the sacrifices that Martin Luther King, Malcolm X's, Harriet Tubman, they put their lives on the line for, for, for us, for everybody to have freedom, not just black not people. Not just black people, Because yep. it only mm-hmm. been about, you think, Dr. Martin Luther King died maybe about 52 years ago, 53 years ago, you yeah, assassinated. But you think about it, that gave white women, black women, rights blacks, to vote, rights, rights to vote. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, So a lot of people don't know that. You know, they just think, America is living off the backs of the blacks who gave their lives Yeah, fact. at the end of the day, you know, because the white man always ran everything and they beat each other up just to stay on top. And the biggest problem with black people, and it's something that makes us unique, is that we have the biggest hearts. Right. So we yeah. are we're personally selfish, but as a collective we will do for everyone what we want to do for ourselves, right? right? So if we're fighting for equal pay, it's not pay black people equally. You need to pay the people equally, Mm -hmm. which is everybody, right? If black people only focused on black people, no matter which side of the arena or the gym you stood on, if we only just focused on the problem of the black person in America, we would get a lot accomplished. But we think holistically and we think bigger picture like we need to change stuff for everybody mm-hmm. right but all other races and cultures they only focus on them and themselves right yeah. and that's how they get things going their agendas 
every Asian American does not think the same, right? No. They're not all just tunnel vision in one direction. one direction. Every Hispanic or Mexican or whatever it is, they don't all think the same, right? But they focus on what is better for them. the culture of them, that's right? right? That's correct. And I think that's a big, huge, humongous issue that we got. And then it divides us into these different mm-hmm. cliques. Right. It divides us. I'm Black Lives Matter. Well, if you're that and I'm this, then we there's no way we can come to the table and have a conversation. Right. That's and, true. But, but we can. That's you a know? fact. But we can. That's a fact, and we should. We, yeah, I, I definitely understand that. Um, you know, I talked about doing a recap for some of the episodes that I have, and there was one in particular that stood out, and because of the comments and feedback I've been getting, was the episode where uh, we talked about this trend that's been going on when the women propose to the men. Mm-hmm. And barbershop style. What do y'all think? <laughs> Say it like it is. <laughs> I'm good on that. If my wife would have proposed to me, I would have been like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, you down on what? Like, what? I'd be so I'd confused. Have been like, if you don't get up. Right. I'm, I'm, I'd probably think like she's looking for something. Like, what you looking for down there? Like, no, nah, I'm that's good, bro. Yeah, I understand. You got to yeah, think. I'm not even going to comment. If that, you bro. proposing to a dude and he ain't thought to propose to you, you got to look at the situation a little, a little bit differently. Now you putting him on the spot. Where he like, oh, I don't want to embarrass you. So I'm going to say, yeah. But in his mind, he probably thinking like, yo, she wilding right now. Like, <laughs> Women, if you got to propose to your man, it's time to go. I understand rules and, and the circumstances. And it's 2021 and everybody liberated and free and people doing their own thing. And I respect that. But certain things, hey, I, I'm going to be honest. If, <laughs> if he wants you, he going to let it be known he wants you. If but, he don't want you and he just there to play. But I'm glad you said the want part because some women don't like to wait. That's you a know, fact. Because a man, to me, he'll let you know when he wants you. That's a fact. You know, a lot of men don't tell you I love you every day. They show you. That's a fact. By buying you a mm, purse, by, by okay. taking you out to That's dinner, true. by... Or just making sure you straight. Just making sure yeah. you're good. That's the difference you know, in love language. But you might wake yeah. up and there's gas in your tank, and that's his love language is that's to make right. sure you never on stranded on the side of the road. But right? a woman can say it a gazillion times a day and then turn around and say, baby, how come, how come you don't tell me you love me? Well, baby, it ain't that I don't. You, know? you see these lights on, I, don't you? You know, <laughs> you know a, a man is more, I don't know, man, he's more mm-hmm. mental when it comes to it. A woman is very verbal. Yeah. Okay. Love languages. That's true. So because when we were talking about it um, and doing what I do, right, I have to play the devil's advocate, right, trying to see things from all angles and blah, okay, wait. But it was still hard when me and Amber had that conversation. I was like, and Amber hit me like, okay, since you want to be here asking all these questions, would you do it? (laughs) And the answer is going to be no, right? (laughs) Yeah, I was like, nah, I don't think I'm... I'm open to that point. I said, but for the sake of this conversation, and like I asked him, but I was like, and then I'm asking you guys. <laughs> oh my God. I hope we don't run into this. I hope that <laughs> I hope none of us have to deal with this. But if let's say we're all best friends right now, like in the room, and one of our guys said yes, you know. I'm gonna clown him. You still gonna support him though for the whole wedding and I'm everything? Gonna, I, I support him, but I'm gonna clown him through the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm a second. Think? I'm a second that but, motion. I'm a clown, but, but at the same time, but, but we're trying to celebrate love, right? We're trying to support. No, I understand. This is what I'm gonna say. 
I have a PhD in minding my own business, mm-hmm. and I tell my wife this all the time, and she's slowly learning. That ain't got nothing to do with no, what happens that. at our household, right? <laughs> so if that's how they get down in their relationship, then all power to them, because I ain't got to go sleep with that woman or that person that night. I ain't got to worry about what they got going on. Because that's not that you, ain't you, my you business. You ain't got to deal with that. Exactly. So, but you, so you just show up and be happy for them. I might I might throw a few jokes here and there, you right. know, when he think everything going good. I might throw a few jokes, you know, and let him know, like. Hey, man, you know how your dress fit, you know? But one thing a woman going to do in the long run, I propose to you. Ooh, See, that's Trump the part. Card. That's that, the big joker. But that's the part that I'm thinking about. You know, when that conversation came up, I was like, damn, can you imagine something happening? and be like, you know. I'm the one supposed to propose to you. <laughs> then the man can also say, I never wanted this. You're the one. That, oh, now nah, it's over with. Oh, yeah. Once you, once you pull that card out, man, that's you might as well pack your bags, man. <laughs> <laughs> that is crazy. Yeah, I, w- I, w- I couldn't help but bring that up. And uh, I was like, man, I wonder how that's going to go. Like, out of nowhere, your woman just put like, a ring and be like, yeah. <laughs> just say yes. I l- be laughing my ass off. Like, now, on everything, it just depends on what this ring look like. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Wait a hey, minute. I'm a, I'm like, <laughs> wait a minute. What, what is that? No, boss. Uh, Sam Moon? Oh, get on up out of here. Nah, <laughs> I don't give a damn if she carved this diamond out herself or this gold. Nah, boss. Oh, it's, it's a no. It's a no. It's a no. Okay. I, I okay. I understand that. And uh, another topic that we discussed this season was um, about, I titled that episode, Borrowing Happiness. It was actually about substance abuse and I used to say drug addiction I used to just say like most people do but the two women that I have from Colorado they work for the state of Colorado they were like oh we're trying to refrain that I'm trying to sorry we're trying to change the way we say those things you know substance abuse they just I wanted us to discuss it because we discuss everything in our the barbershop and do you think we have more awareness when it comes to substance abuse because sometimes I hear this thing when, when they talk about opioid and everything they'll be like Oh, that's a white man's problem. Is it really? Like, it doesn't mean that we don't also deal with that shit. Maybe not necessarily the same substance. I, I, I think, I think, uh, uh, they deal. They, it's. I think it's different on both sides. Yeah. You know, our abuse come with with struggle. Right. I think mm. you know because mm-hmm. trying to escape. Right. I think ours come with struggle, but I think theirs come with just it, it, it's Mortal? money. Yeah, greed. It's kind of yeah. like w- what happened to DMX. Right. You know, when different people were coming out to talk about his struggle over the years, I felt really bad. I was like, man. But some people would say, but he had money and he still didn't I get mean, the money resources. Money don't do nothing. I'm like, money don't do everything. Escalate whatever issues you have going on. Yeah. Right? If you come into just somebody give you a check right now for a million dollars and you have a, a shoe problem. You gonna go buy more shoes with that million dollars, you know? Right. And the That's same true. thing with if you have a drug problem, the first thing you gonna do is be like, "Man, I'm about to get high." That's right. You know what I mean? And sometimes it just is what it is, man. We everybody battles their demons, and we battle them differently. Like we can't. I think that we in a society we have a group think mentality where if one person feels a way, then that rubs off on me, and now I feel that way, man. But we all go through stuff, man. And especially if this pandemic ain't taught you nothing, you have Ooh. to have some type of release or outlet. And some people have vices, right? People been people were locked in their homes by them. A lot of people by themselves, yeah. right? A lot of people locked in their homes by themselves or with a family member, a wife, a kid or whatever. 
and you might not even like that person you live with, your wife or your husband or your boyfriend or whatever, but you trapped in a house with them, right? Yeah. You're going to find a way to escape, whether that's mentally, you reading, you writing, you podcasting, or yeah, you're doing true, drugs, you smoking, you drinking something, right? And I, I, I think that, man, the substance abuse thing, I think that we have more awareness than we've ever had yeah. in any point in society That's right. since its yeah. inception. So I think that now in that everybody has a camera on on them at all times, it's like it's just heightened. Just but heightened. The, I feel like these problems have been going on. It just hasn't been as in your face as like it, it was, was before. So, so because I know, Slick, I know you talk to people from all walks of life and you you know you probably have some people dealing with some things that you can't you know i mean you can't necessarily call names you know but um from your experience and again talk looking at this from the our community what would you say is like significant or what or let me just say what advice would you give to us you know when it comes to substance abuse uh i, w- I will say i'm going through a story right now um with some individuals uh i have an adult who has a daughter and a son, but she has a friend who has a, her only son who's been doing a lot of cutting, hmm. you know, slicing his arms and stuff like that. So they accepted him into their house because the daughter had went through that at one time and she got over it. So she thought maybe the daughter would be able to help him out. Right. So she asked me, what did I think? And I was like, well, you may want to go to a counselor, you know, because your daughter is not a doctor. Your daughter is not a counselor. I say, if anything happened to this kid, it's going to be on you. You know, it's going to be on you. So you have to take the initiative as the adult. Well, she didn't want to do it because she didn't want to get into all whatever. And I said, hey, you need to do that. And I think that's what happens a lot to us is we don't want to hurt an individual. Right. They think that. Uh, CPS is going to come take the kids, but you have to get that individual help. Yeah. You know, if you be quiet, then tomorrow he might not be here. Right. And then right. you're going to feel triple worse. So yeah, that's right. That, that's mm-hmm. going. All right, man. Thank you, guys. Before we go, what, you know, I'm not the, I feel like compared to you guys, I'm not the biggest sports fan. And uh, uh, I know. Go, go Bears. <laughs> I knew you were about to say that. I knew you were about to say that. But um, what's going on in that world with you guys, you know, before? I mean, I talk about it when I'm at the shop, but not as deep as some of you guys go. And uh, when it comes to soccer, yeah, I can talk that all day. Yeah, but um, yeah. So let's wrap up with that. You know, cause We know we don't go without talking about sports at the barber shop. And <laughs> hey, don't nobody in the shop talk about the Milwaukee Bucks, so I'll just hear it from from B over here. I know you lying. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Bucks fan through and through. You know, I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, man. I love the Bucks. I love the moves they making. I more so care about basketball. So I was a Kobe person my whole life. And then when he, you know, start hanging it up, it just Bucks, Bucks, you know. Right. Um, football, I really don't care about. So I don't, it's funny you say that because a lot of my Milwaukee clients, they don't like Green Bay. I mean. They Cowboy fans. They they must be older uh, clients, or is it all? I mean, bro, most, Wisconsin is a racist state, fans. man. Wisconsin they, is a racist state, so you <clears> probably <throat> can't even get get up in Green Bay without getting arrested or and something. I heard happened. about that. So it's like, why that would I support crazy. them? I heard bro. about that. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, you know, most Green Bay fans that I know from Milwaukee, they're on the young side though. So yeah. I wonder if you're onto something when you said that, like, they must be older if they're like. But yeah. you think the Green Bay fans that's Green Bay that's here, 
they're not from Milwaukee. That's true. If they that's from true. if they that's from true. if they from Milwaukee, they're not Green Bay fans. I mean, they, it's, they know that it's 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 uh it's hit or miss, man. Like a lot of most of my friends are are um are Green Bay fans, and I grew up being a Green Bay mm-hmm. fan too. Like we had Brett Favre, we won a Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers, we won a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So it's it's good, it's great. It's like <laughs> you know you know what I'm noticing. We're over here just talking, right? And we're talking here in Dallas, and we <laughs> okay. Let me ask this: What y'all think about the Cowboys? Fuck the Cowboys. <laughs> Hey, you, you know what? <laughs> you about to do that on, I go on the, the Dallas show. <laughs> I go against the grain on them every time. Yeah. They good and terrible. They good and terrible. That's it. Most of the people that's that's cowboy fans, they never seen a winning season in their lifetime. They, <laughs> man, come on, man. And they, the ones that did see it, they always go back to them three rings. In 1990, <laughs> man, it's 2021. What are y'all doing now? Like, come on, man. They said yeah. it's a it's Americans team. Yeah. It's a cash cow. I say that the 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 stadium looked like a spaceship. I give them that. Yeah. They got a headquarters in Frisco. That's the almost the same size as the stadium. Yeah. I will give you that. But that team ain't worth shit. It ain't never gonna be shit again. <laughs> my, so my dad probably my dad gonna be mad at you, bro, for this. Hey, right? <laughs> hey man, <laughs> my I'm the only one that's not a cowboy fan. My family, everybody is. Like my brother, my older brother. My I don't know. So I was just watching them when they're losing, like losing their shit. I'm like, yeah. I, I'm glad I ain't no, got to I, worry I, about this. I, I just refuse to talk about them because I talk so much <laughs> trash about them in the barbershop. This this had to be on another episode because <laughs> I just slam them to. You know what my you know what my barber did. My son come over there. He told him he was like, "Look at that. What's that?" And you know, it was like uh, I think he first said a tiger or something. And you wouldn't mm-hmm. know. That's the bear. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and since then, my son come back and be like. I'm gonna say, yeah, that's the bear. So he's like, yeah, he's gonna be a bear. And I'm like, damn, you just converted him already. Already. <laughs> so you're from Chicago? No, I'm from St. Louis. St. Louis? Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, we didn't have nothing. You know, yeah. Cardinals and the Blues. Yeah, I got yeah. you. All right. Man, gentlemen, thank you guys for coming in today. I appreciate it. And one thing I realized with the barbershop, there's so there's a lot to unpack that you can't say in one episode. I'll be so happy to have you guys come back the next season when I do my another barbershop episode. And uh even if it's not a barbershop, I'm always happy to have you guys here because on, on the different topics, I think you guys are very uh wonderful. You know, I love your contribution. So uh like I said, this is gonna be the last um episode for season three. You guys have anything to say before we shut the season down? Yeah, yeah, I like to say this to all the youngsters out there that's coming up through middle school, high school, something that was taught to me by my grandma. There's nothing wrong with, you know, being what you want to be in life, shoot for it. Go for your goals, you know, but what you want to be in life and what God has planned for you is two different things, brother. Yes, sir. Man, yes, church, sir. Church yes, sir. Home, what man. you got to say, Brandon? <laughs> I mean, if I would say anything, man, I would just tell people, no matter the age, just be yourself, man. Everybody else is already taken, man. Um, I feel like we, like I said, we in a group think mentality right now. I feel like, you know, if I see you with whatever designer on, I don't, it don't matter how ugly it is, I'm yeah. going to do it just because that's what's popping right now. And I feel like people are lost, man. We just a yeah. bunch of different versions of a creative player, man. That's really what it is. Like, I feel like originality, especially right now, will get people so much further than yeah. where they are. Be yourself. I mean, to all the all the black men, I'm speaking specifically to you, man, yeah. find you a hobby. Like, 
it's good to get money and it feels good when your bank account looks fat. It feels good when you got a couple dollars in your pocket and you can buy what you want. You can eat what you want. You know right. what I mean? But at the same time, find you a hobby, man. Because the world is fucked up. It don't care <laughs> it about is, you. Man. So you got to find something to decompress, man. Read you a book. Go to therapy. Yes, sir. Make model cars, man. Buy you an old school and fix it up. That's what I'm doing right now. Like, that's yes. consume my brain when I'm not taking care of business. And that helps me as a release. Wow. You know what I mean? Find, find something, man. Play golf, tennis, swim, something, man. Find you a hobby, bro. Because you need something to decompress and release, man. A man. lot of people work out, and that's beautiful, man. But you got to find you a hobby that's something that's fun, that's just for you, that you can do by yourself. By yourself. Man. My mind Thank is a terrible thing to waste. Oh, yeah, I right agree. Now. I'm learning that right now. <laughs> uh, for me, I would just say, man, you got to say it all. Like, I would just say for me, I always say this, you know. Uh, it sounds so cliche at this point, but, you know, treat people the way you want to be treated. That's important for me. And um, another thing I would say is this. I've learned personally that I've made the best decisions when I'm able to pause and criticize myself. And, you know, of course I, I can come to you slick. Sometimes I can maybe even as this gentleman here, Brendan, like, Hey, what do you think about this? That's not the wrong, but the ability for someone to just pause and criticize yourself and say, Hey, what am I doing right now? What's this going to be? What's the end result? How is this going to affect me or affect the next person, the people I love? I think that is very important. And thank you, guys. Uh, it's been a great season. I appreciate every single one of you in here in America, outside of America, who've been rocking with us from the first season. And I'm just a Nigerian kid who was sitting at home. I wanted to talk about something. And here we are, three seasons deep. So I thank you, guys. You can always reach us on the Find Truth Podcast at gmail.com. The handle on social media is on Truth, which is U-N-D-E-F-T-R-U-T-H. Thank you, guys, for listening. I hope you guys have a wonderful day. Hey.